podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Chels. Well, this has been a fine old week. No traumas, no tragedies, no dramas. Just nice, good old-fashioned cup football. I feel quite relaxed today. Andy, you're here as always. Are you relaxed? Um, yeah, I'm always relaxed. Are you? I'm a relaxed kind of guy. Chilled. You know, I'm very, very in tune with my surroundings and everything around me. I'm very zen. Are you, are you in touch with your id? Very much so. Okay, and uh, so be careful what, though saying that because <laughs> he can he can out unzen just like that. I could, yeah, I could, I could, I could cancel you saying stuff like that. <laughs> Why? What with your id? Why? What's, yeah. what's Ooh, can't we can't say that anymore? Why not? What's why not? Your well, we id. Stop, we stop. Oh, id, id. Right. Okay. What did you think I said? I don't know, Kerry. Oh, this is getting off to a good start. I have no <laughs> idea. You see, talk about the inner machinations of the mind, and it starts spinning out. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to get this back on an even keel, because luckily we have someone who's more sensible than you and I have ever been or ever will be. It's sensible Rick Glanville. <laughs> Hello, Hello, Rick. How are you? Yeah, I'm, well, you know, I, I'm I'm just about struggling after the first paragraph of this show, but now, how's your id? Um, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I went to the doctor to have it check, and it seemed fine. So, well, that's good. See, that's good. So we're all id worthy, and uh, I'm really glad to, to hear that. <laughs> so, Andy, what's your weekend week been like? Have you have you had a good week? Have you had a nice week? I've been away. Has, been away where have you been, been you're always away i was in norfolk norfolk one week antigua ex- the next uh, well i decided to extend my christmas i thought i'm just going to extend it i'm not going to come back until today so i was on light duties last week um i did bits and pieces i didn't go to either game because i was away plastic um <laughs> and uh you know and so I watched, bo- yeah. watched both on the tv and um you know, and uh, it, was, it was very nice. But I'm back. I'm going to, I'm going to both games this week. So, no, I'm not doing City, I'm doing Well, well there Tottenham. you go, you see. I'm doing both. And, cool. um, yeah, so so that'll be fun. Um, and, yeah, apart from that, I've been fine. How about how have you been, Kerry? Yeah, I'm, I'm all right, you know, starting to get back into the routine of going on longer and longer walks and trying to get back to fitness. Um, so, yeah, that that's okay. It's given me... Still a bit of pain, but, you know, we get on with it. And not been funny. Chelsea give you a little bit of a tonic when it's a week like this. So that all helps as well. So, yeah, I'm in an okay, I'm in an okay space today. Good. What about you, Rick? How's your space? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm like you. I'm a, the Chelsea rules my barometer to, <laughs> to a large degree. And I suppose I do like the this period where... League takes a little bit of a backseat and it becomes the Cups. And then I'm actually really excited about uh, Club World Cup and all these things, all these targets that we still have to, to aim for. And the fact that we that we can reach a Cup final 
uh, with the potential for more silverware already. You know, talk about bagging, bagging your trophies early. That would be fantastic. Very yeah. exciting. Yeah, it, I mean, it is exciting. I mean, we we should remember that, and we'll talk about this that. Anything can happen in 90 minutes of football, as we know, but we have put ourselves in a, in a good position. And also, as we'll talk about with the Cup, we've got a potential, you know, chance to get through to the fifth round of the Cup with hopefully a safer passage than one would normally get. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot to look forward to. But, Andy, I, I just wanted to talk before we get on to the games. Uh, the one Because last week was a bit chaotic, when we did the podcast, not saying the podcast was chaotic, but we had the whole <laughs> Lukaku incident going on. And the one thing I'd say that we just should mention is before uh, that, the interview with Lukaku had actually happened, we'd done our pod and we knew everything was back on an even keel. Um, but Rick, what did you make of, of Lukaku's little speech? Were you happy? Did it... Did it set you into a more relaxed mode? And you go, okay, fair enough. He's done the right thing. Nothing to see here anymore. Uh, pretty much. I thought Thomas handled it brilliantly. I was a little bit concerned that we, uh, it seemed like we weren't putting out, if you like, a rebuttal or uh, a comment straight away and that that uh, Romelu didn't put any, he, he was maintaining radio silence he's not been on twitter for several months i think anyway but uh but then i sort of trusted both parties to do do the right thing after that and actually as it transpired the way that dropping lukaku for one game and playing it really i thought he played it really cool very straight in the interviews thomas and um you can see that it it worked and i think it was really great to hear when Rom scored against uh, Chesterfield, great to hear his name sung. So I'm pretty much in that camp. I did hear a, a few boos. I, I don't personally know why people go to a football match to boo. I just don't get it. But um, there were a few smattering, but vast, uh, many more people were chanting Rom's name, and I think he appreciated it. So I think it's it was a big error of judgment, but I think the club and Thomas and... Romilly since then have handled it really well. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about, Andy and I talked about last week, that we felt that it could, well, galvanise the squad going forward and gets everything in order. Uh, mm. And it seems so far that's been the immediate effect. But, Andy, the, the, the other thing, I mean, I don't know if you've got anything to say about the um, Lukaku interview. Um, and if not, we'll move on to the next thing, which I've got lined up. Well, you Is know it... what my view's on it. I think it was all yeah. a massive storm and a teacup. I didn't think the video was necessary. I thought it was all a bit silly. And I think people have massively overreacted like children. And I just think, you know, Romelu goes out there and scores goals. He's fine. If he doesn't, everybody will, you know, not will give him a hard time. You know, as for people booing in the grounds, well, they're idiots. Ignore them. Um, it, you know, for me, it's like, let's just move on. God's yeah. sakes, why are we getting obsessed video... with trivia, trivia like this? No, I agree with you that it was, but I think in the age we're in, you do need it to put a video like that out. I really don't. I just think it's ridiculous. <laughs> but, you know, if people were happy about it, well, good for them. I just thought it was silly. Well, you know, I mean, the, the problem is we're in a knee-jerk society that 
but there's pandering pandering to it isn't it rather than rather than kind of reacting to it and and that that's my problem is like you know social media wets its pants over something that was massively blown over proportion and then suddenly we're pandering to that level we're we're going down to that level and you know that that irritates me but But, you know if it makes people happy and reassures them that's fine yeah i don't think you without that video i don't think you would have had perhaps well unless there was another method that you would suggest but to communicate uh, what he wanted to say i don't think he communicates he it on the pitch rick he's a footballer yeah i think but he I communicates don't think it, it on the pitch. he would have had that response that we had that, that uh, to him scoring that goal i think from talking to people that i knew a lot of people were really fed up with seeing those comments and i think it yeah well those those way. people need to grow up yeah, sorry, but they, they just still do. need addressing. You can't just ignore them. You might not like their view, and there's a lot of, but they they do have a view, and there are a lot of those people. So that did, I think, it did need to be. There are some people. With. You can't quantify how many people you say there were. They, you say there were a lot of people. A lot of people I've spoken to don't care. So yeah, you know, so so you know, the idea that we pander to some people who get upset about trivia like that and then have to i don't know i just think come on let's just play football and get on with it and win games is, that, tri- is it trivial that you're <laughs> that in a in an interview you're but we've addressed it rick signing it's been addressed know, it, it, that's my point it was addressed it was addressed quickly thomas tuchel said what he was going to say you dropped him he came back he scored a goal move on yeah but i think the video helped as part of that well, okay. Uh, well, you're absolutely entitled to your view. Um, I, you know, I, I've, I think my I've wrong made... view. Well, no, you're, you're entitled to your view. <laughs> I just think I just I've, you know I made it very clear what I think, and I made it very clear what I thought last week as well. Well, it's. A new I just think week. we need to grow up at football matches. Come on, just get well, on with it. Society probably needs to grow up at the moment in many ways. But look, it's done. It's all dusted. It's over. We moved on. The one thing. <laughs> I was only doing this as an aside to, to say the one thing we didn't get to talk about last week was uh, the news that Thiago Silva had, had signed a new contract. Mm. And that feels like a wonderful thing. I mean, you can't believe that a 37-year-old man signing a contract would make you feel happy, but it really made me feel happy. How I'd rather you? see a video from him, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Saying how pleased you are signing a new contract. <laughs> or his wife. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, you know, I think that kind of news I like, you know, it's that's positive news. That's, that's the, that's the kind of stuff, you know, that, that we really should be highlighting. There's a lot of really good stuff going on. I just think if we, if we don't do that, if we end up kind of like having to address every, every issue like that, then, you know, we, we lose sight of what's really good about our club. And I thought we were moving on, Andy. You're yeah, we're way past it. that. What are you doing? Come up to the present. Tiago Silva, we love oh, him. Oh, I'm addressing all your mates that are really pissed off. I don't want to get pissed off at me. Start firing, you know, firing me, firing me hate on, on Twitter. Don't forget, it's ass at Mr. A Saunders. <laughs> Just to remind you. But yeah, I mean... Snake emojis. <laughs> and any others. Real snakes. If you want his address, get in touch. I'll, I'll give you the address. Um, but no, I mean, it is. It's great news, but... Do you, Rick, do you think it's amazing that a player of his age staying at the club actually does something for the fans and gives a tonic to the club itself? It's extraordinary, isn't it? I think he's been a, a, a brilliant signing. I was slightly wary about uh, about it and wondering whether 
uh, whether he would still have the legs to play in the Premier League, which is such an exacting tournament. And he, he's been an absolute example. He had the sort of the, the Desai baptism of fire, didn't he, where he gave away a goal in his first game and then sort of was thinking, Christ, this really is a difficult league. But since then, what an example. And the calmness that he exudes, I would love to see him stay on. I'd like, love us to take ownership of, of him and have him as a club ambassador working uh, at Cobham, uh, you know, kind of in some kind of uh, capacity to work with young people. I think he'd be absolutely brilliant for, for that. He has actually, Andy, hasn't he? He's really become part of the blues firmament, as it were. It's quite extraordinary how... Yeah, I mean, Rick, Rick's absolutely right. He's been an absolutely brilliant signing. He's brought professionalism. He's brought passion. You know, he's demonstrated that age is just a number. Um, you know, the old cliche of the first 10 yards are in his head. He's been a brilliant mm-hmm. role model for the other exactly. defenders in that squad. For the young players, you know, he's shown, you know, those amazing images of him in the Champions League when he was on the sidelines jumping up and down in a, yeah. you know, in an empty stand going crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, all that stuff just is, is kind of what fans of football clubs want. They don't, yeah. you know, I think most grown-ups are aware that you know footballers are professionals and they go to club to club that they're not they're not fans you know they're professional most most normal people understand that but occasionally you'll get a player that connects with a club and connects with a fan base and there's you know that's a that's a wonderful thing and and that's the stuff I love about the football club that's the stuff I, I really like and bad stuff does happen but you know when when you've got Great new stories like, you know, Thiago Silva, who came to a new league with limited English, you know, at the end of a, you know, a, a star-studded career and was able to take it to the next level yeah. on, on all areas. Incredible. Rick's point about let's take ownership of Thiago and so that when people think of Thiago Silva, they think of yeah. him as a Chelsea player. They don't think of him as a PSG player. I think it's absolutely right. That would be fantastic. Yeah, and, and it is quite an ex- extraordinary story. And it got better for me when I realised... That he, I always thought, well, of course, he was in that Brazil team that lost to Germany. But he was injured, wasn't he? He didn't get to play in that. So he's absolutely untainted by that. Whereas David Luiz... Yeah, <laughs> on the other hand. Yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, he has been a wonderful role model. And when, when you think that actually, look, we've got four defenders out of contract, potentially, there were a week ago. You had Thiago, you had Cesar Azpilicueta you've got Christensen and you've got Rudiger. Is it not saying something weird if you think, well, look, Thiago signed, that's great. If Cesar signs as well, that would be brilliant. Again, for the leadership qualities, more than perhaps the play on the field with him. But he's been magnificent. You remember about two years ago, everyone's saying, well, it's over. He's lost, he's lost it. The legs have gone. And he's managed to reinvent himself. And these kind of players, they, they are worth... 10 of another kind of player, without a doubt. You know, I mean, fantastic examples. And part of me thinks, if we lose Christensen and we lose Rudiger, I think we would survive quite happily. We would I think, sadly, other... Rudiger's the one that will go. I think yeah, he's, just I made, he's made so much noise around it or so much noise is around him 
that sadly he's the one that will go. But, you know, that he's a professional and, you know, when he gets to the end of the contract, he's not obligated to sign it, you know. So, you know, he's been amazing. We should enjoy him while he's here and, and, and enjoy what he's given us. And if he leaves and goes to Real Madrid or PSG or someone that's going to play him a ludicrous amount of money, then, then you know, good luck to him and we move on. We'll always move on. Rick, question for you as historian. You talk about Thiago Silva. Who is the oldest player that Chelsea have, have had a you know at a reasonably high level. Do you know off the top of your head? Is that putting you on the spot? The oldest player played was Graham Ricks, wasn't it? Right, when good, good the... question. Moving on. <laughs> Talking about cancelled. <laughs> I just want to pick up on something that they say, which I really agree with, it, that some players are, are great on the pitch and can be characters and things, but they're not necessarily... They, they're branches of the team's tree. They're not the heart of the oak. And, you know, there's other players, when you lose them, it seems like the whole thing collapses. And um, I'm not sure where uh, Cesar fits in in that. Possibly more peripheral than he than he, than he used to be. Though you, there is an element of John Bumstead about him, that longevity and so- solidity and uh, commitment and... I'll tell you what he is, Rick. He's a bass player. Yeah. You don't notice him. You take him out, the whole thing sounds weird. And I think, uh, you know, he's not a flashy player. He's not somebody that, you know, that people have posters of on the wall. He's not somebody that, you know, that appears in all the advertising and is is, is part of the Chelsea brand necessarily. But you take him out of the team, suddenly it feels a little bit odd and it sounds a bit tinny. And I think... Why why wasn't so-and-so there? You know, why wasn't that... It's the kind of... uh, they're like a fulcrum player. I'm not sure about something whether Rudy. I'll have to say I'm looking at that statement that Cesar puts out. It did seem to me a little bit of a valedictory. It's like I'm here to the summer. I'm going to give my give everything. I love it. I love being here. I've had we've had open talks about things. For me, I did get a little sign that maybe that was him preparing us for for a, a farewell. I, don't I mean, if he does it, leave, I think we should all stand as one and applaud him out the door because absolutely he's been right, absolutely fantastic player for us, and on yeah. so many levels. I mean, he's the the ultimate professional and and but incredibly it, reliable. But we do have some great players coming through in their positions. That's what we, you know, we, Cesar's lost his place really to Reese James, hasn't he? I mean, I know, mm. he, he, uh, and you know, on the left side. We've got a really promising prospect, Levi Colwell, who's doing doing brilliantly, and there are others around the place that um, can step in there. And if we need to, well, that's going to save us a lot of money. But if we need to, we can step into the market and and get some more of the right stuff. And I do like, I do think we we buy a mentality now with players that perhaps in the past we didn't. We you know, talked we about that last week about about high character players. And well, we didn't. We talked about that on the phone together. Oh, did we? And we did, okay, yeah, fine. we didn't get we had... the, explain this high character thing because it comes from the NFL, doesn't it, Andy? And it's quite an interesting point. That yeah, you it was something my son about. was telling me about. He's a big NFL fan, and he was saying that you know actually a lot of the buying policy uh, with NFL teams, as well as you know looking at the money ball stats of you know of, of what they bring to a team, they also look at high character and players that have temperament they have yes. the you know the 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 mindset the the winning mentality all of that kind of stuff that you know that that is is as important as being able to throw a ball or make a tackle and i think that football suddenly or suddenly or, or is starting to realize that high character 
as you described it, elite mentality is 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 really important. And I think you're right. I think managers are looking at players that are going to be able to deliver in really difficult circumstances week in, week out, because they have that mentality that's professional and passionate and committed. And you look at the youngsters that are coming through from Cobham, Lewis Hall being a case in point against Chesterfield. The the most frightened he looked uh, all day on his debut. He's the youngest ever Chelsea FA Cup starter. Youngest, sorry, the most frightened he ever looked was with a microphone in front of him. Yeah, yeah. No fear with those youngsters. And uh, they don't yeah. question the decisions. They don't. They don't get histrionic. No. They don't. They don't. Yeah. Um, they just. They, they're incredibly professional, and they've obviously been brought up the right way. And it also, as we can, can I, produce can I just... those players. That's the that's the thing. You don't just have to buy them and scout for that. You can actually imbue it in them at Cobham. Yeah, and also the one other point about Lewis Hall that I would make: the most frightened he looked to me was on about seventy odd minutes. When he went down with cramp, oh, yes, and he knew he'd made five substitutions, yes, and the guy, I thought yeah. he was perhaps going to burst into tears because he didn't want to let anyone yeah. down, and he was trying to find a way to make his legs move. Yeah. He's going off the pitch, coming on, going back off. Did you see and, he had a drink? He had a, like a glucose and you yeah. know, a sugar and salt mixed drink, and then the physio walked round the side and left a piece of um, chocolate or something by the side of the pitch that he went over and had a gobble at. Uh, so he was doing everything to patch himself up to be ready to see out the match. But again, that's high character, isn't it? Because yeah. very easy at 5-1 against Chesterfield to go, ah, well, we'll be fine with 10 men mm-hmm. and off you come. But he did not want to let anyone down. So I think I think high character is a, a fascinating subject. Mm-hmm. Well, look, this idea of Cobham, of players coming through Cobham, I, look, I, I've never bought into the into the uh, assumption that every player that comes up through the academy is good enough to play for the first team of at not. all. Um, what we have had recently is a really good crop of high quality players. We didn't have that for a long time, and I think people were screaming for for young players to be bought into the team who who just weren't good enough, you know. And I think you only have to look and see where some of those players have ended up and where they've gone to realise that they weren't good enough. But we do have at the moment, as you say, it seems a conveyor belt of quality coming through that Tuchel particularly, Frank before him, have, have really started to make part mm-hmm. of the process and, and creating these pathways for players to come in. And that whole that whole concept of if you're good enough, you're good enough, or you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough, and all, all that stuff, I think, is starting to pay. But we have to realise that not all of them are going to make it. They're not no, all necessarily not. brilliant. We will have to go into the marketplace to buy elite players you know to, to keep our position as an elite club in world football I think you know it has to be a, a mix we can't just throw everything out the window and, and, mm-hmm. and you know and put kids in the team that's that's always been my thing no exactly and also the, the one thing you would say is and it's something we've been at pains to talk about on here is that just perhaps over the last few years players have been nearly good enough but not good enough and you have to be at a high level for Chelsea what we are seeing is players are coming in other people getting an opportunity and then they get shunted to the sidelines, some of them, if they're not quite ready. So I, th- I think it's quite ruthless, the system. I think <laughs> That's probably, football. 
Yeah, exactly. But they all look well adjusted. And I think what happens now is if players don't work out for us, we are actually producing players who are good enough for other teams. Well, Tarek Lamptey's a great example, I think, of a player that I always felt was too small. <laughs> just too small. You know, he's good as a right back or a, a right wing back. I just don't think he's got the height. But, you know, maybe he'll develop into an attacking forward player. He seems to be brilliant going forward. I, I, don't, I never thought Tarek Lamptey was right for us, but he's clearly brilliant for Brighton. Um, you know, that's just a personal opinion. And there's other players in the Premier League at the moment that you look at and think, well, didn't quite work for us uh, or might not work for us in the future who are out on loan, but would be brilliant for someone else. I mean, I'd love to see Conor Gallagher come back. I'd love to see, I know we have a buyback clause in Livramento, you know, who's a, who's a really interesting player. Brozier, is Brozier good enough to lead the line at Chelsea Football Club? Remains to be seen. Um possibly but he's one that could be you could argue is going to be really good for another club not necessarily for us Did I don't you know, know what you that, think about um, it you know we drew Plymouth in the FA Cup the next round Green Army <laughs> Janners <laughs> um, they have in their ranks a former Chelsea youth captain Jordan Houghton okay uh, and if, that's a good point that he was considered captain of his you know, best amongst his peers in his age group for mentality, good enough to be captain. But now he's playing for a League One side. Well, well Lewis Baker's a, a good example. Isn't he? he came on, yeah. you know, came on for a couple of minutes for Chelsea. I think it's his second opinion, uh, second appearance in how many years? Long time. Eight years. Eight years. You and know, twenty six now. That's what, I couldn't believe that. But he I was one of the good players. But he yeah, was yeah. a good player. But he's he's yeah. he was one of the great hopes. You know, who didn't ever really come through. Now, was that because he was blocked at a time when he probably should have been given an opportunity, or was he just not good enough, or did he need to go out? And has he got a future? You know, he's, he's a good example of no, you just don't yeah. know. He had some loans that didn't work out. Had some that were successful, some that didn't work out. Um, uh, you know, and he would have, you know, he would have played in. Um, I think what I'm trying to think was it against Tottenham one game recently, but he had, he, I think he had COVID or he was injured or something. But the, you know, that's eight years difference between uh, the the two appearances, and it's that's football. Sometimes you get serious injuries. Sometimes you get. Uh, Loan moves that don't work out. Your 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 skills that are good for one coach are not appreciated by the next one. You may have been built for a role that doesn't exist in the system that the team moves to. I mean, you know, he's a two-footed player. You can take, he's good at set plays with both feet. That's a sort of utility uh, that loads of clubs appreciate. It's just that sometimes the fit isn't with your parent club, even. Well, I think that's been one of the. Issues. I mean, there's others that are out there, isn't it? Ampadu at Venetia at the moment. There's, you know, there's a well, few yeah, others. Billy that's... Gilmore's at Norwich. You know, seems to be in and out the side more. More so recently, he's been inside. You know, is he going to come back and force out a Kovacic or a Jorginho or you know, it, you know, there's lot, lots of question marks. But it's good to have these problems, I guess, of players that you know that could they maybe could. But, but come Andy, they don't have thing. to play every game. You're not necessarily talking about nailed-on starters. You're no, I know, but you're talking about players that you're talking about players that want to play every game and probably yeah. don't want to stay and only want to play. Uh, so I'm, I'm I'm sort of saying it from their perspective as much as anything. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to have all these players. I'd love it to be Percy Pigs at the checkouts at Marks and Spencers. Just put put them in your trolley, leave them in the car, but have them when you fancy it. But <laughs> but ultimately, these are players that could have a career at an Everton or a Villa or a Wolves and actually play every game and be a big part of that team. Do they want to come to Chelsea and just play Carabao Cup, FA yeah, Cup teams? Yeah. 
yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, that, yeah that's and, my and, that's my view on it. So no, I t- totally agree with that, and that that's what I think. I think I'm trying to say is that we're we're also creating a business model. If they're not good enough for Chelsea, they're good enough for somebody else. Well, we'll earn money out of that. So yeah. it is is a way of doing business, and we've tried to do it over the years, and it's actually paying off now. We are making money out of players that, have, in principle, cost us the uh learning that they've received at chelsea that's what it's cost mm-hmm. so so that works um the, i think we should probably move on to 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 the games although there's one other thing talking about good enough not good enough it was interesting that tuchel came out with today that he thinks that ross barkley is available to go out on loan this month um ross barkley of course surprised a lot of us that, that he kept him around but just maybe there's a sign on the wall there with the Chesterfield game because I think he was the fifth substitute we made against Chesterfield. So maybe his race is finally run at Chelsea and we're going to get him out on loan and that may be the last we see of him in a Chelsea shirt. What do you think, Rick? He's such a frustrating player, isn't he? Because there's clearly evidence of talent. Um... And I do wonder, uh, there were a couple of moments recently where where he made like a uh, slight mistake and he really beat himself up up about it. So I wonder whether there's a confidence thing and obviously play, not playing very regularly contributes to, to all of that. But, you know, he left, he left his home club, Everton, to, because he thought he could aspire. To, so he's got the ambition to play at, at a higher level. Um, and I think, who was he with? Was it Villa that he was with, wasn't it? Yeah. And, you know, he did pretty well there for a few uh, for a few months. It just seems that he can play a good game. I, I, well, basically, he's inconsistent. And that's the hallmark of a professional footballer, really, should be consistency, that you deliver uh, regularly to a higher level. And that isn't always the case. And I don't... I don't quite know why. I find it really frustrating. I'd love him to do well. And I hope if he does move on, I hope he you know, he does fulfil his potential. Yeah, I just don't think it's with us. What do you think, Andy? Last uh, word I, look, I think it goes back to what we are talking about. I just don't think he's a high-character player. I just don't think that he's got an elite mentality. I don't think he's high-character. I've never really rated him at Chelsea. Um, you know, I, I don't wish him any ill. I hope he goes somewhere where he's valued and where he can, you know, you know, reassert himself as a talented flair footballer in a team that can utilise his skills. But, uh, you know, I, I, he won't be a miss for us, I don't think. What's his no. best position? At another I, think, club. I think it's attacking midfield, but I just don't think he's good enough for us in that position. No, like no. an inside forward. Kind of yeah, thing. or you know, yeah. an eight, but I don't. I just don't think he's he's got the you know he's got that little bit got of high character that some of the no. other players in our team have. No, all right. Well, look, let, let's move on. We should go to a commercial break, and then we'll have a, a roundup of the cup games and look forward to Spurs in the cup <laughs> second leg. Right, we're back. Okay, let's get on to the old football games. Cup week, Spurs at home, first leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final, and then we had Chesterfield. Now, Andy, 
Were you expecting to see strong sides in these games? Was it a chance to rest a few players? How seriously did you think we'd take the Carabao Cup? Well, I thought I thought we would play a reasonably strong side uh, in the Carabao Cup because we had that sort of fire break of a FA Cup game against Chesterfield on the Saturday. Mm. Um, so there wasn't any reason necessarily to rest players, although we had we were coming off the back of a fairly difficult game. So, you know, who, who knows? But I, I knew there would be changes, but I also thought that there'd be a little bit of experience in there as well. So, you know, he went out there with a... Uh, Aretha Balaga in goal because obviously Mendy's off to, gone off to AFCON um, Dave uh, and Alonso with Rudiger and Saar in what looked like a back four um, with uh, Saul and Jorginho playing in the middle with uh, Ziyech Mount, Lukaku and Havertz so you know that attacking sort of formation was pretty strong. So that, that surprised me a little bit how strong that was but you know a few of those players were, were obviously getting minutes there as well and and Rick, do do you think it's quite interesting that we're seeing we're seeing Thomas messing around with formations, having four at the back a couple of times now? <laughs> um, is that taking you by surprise? Is this him going? Look, we could be with players, without players, throughout the rest of the season. I need to know what I can work with here. I think it took everyone by surprise, including Thomas, because he planned. Uh, to use a three or a five at the back until the day when uh, Thiago and N'Golo uh, were tested positive for COVID. And he, and he didn't have any other options but to play for. He just didn't have the personnel. But the thing about it was that it completely threw Antonio Conti's setup. Uh, we outnumbered them in midfield as a result of playing a system that, system that we did. and And because we had fullbacks rather than wingbacks and they we pushed up quite high and and on top of all the other things like we outcompeted them we were very aggressive we were our passing and slickness were really on on point um we hemmed back their wingbacks so that killed their game completely they, they didn't lay a, a glove on us the, the entire night but I think the back four I don't think he would use it uh regularly though I've got to say in that system, uh, Malang Saar looked really comfortable and possibly more comfortable than he has been in a three, maybe because there's a more definite um, positioning for him. You know, he has, doesn't have to go wide and cover there. But, you know, he, it's a bit more limited how he has to do his defending. But um, it'll be interesting if he decides to, to sort of play with Conti's head again by using that on Wednesday, but I really doubt it. Yeah, I, I think he'll probably change it up. But, but Andy, what about you? I mean, it was such a controlled performance that actually 2-0 was kind of a, mm. a little bit disappointing, wasn't it, Andy? Yeah, really disappointing. They were, you know, it was far too sloppy in front of goal. You know, even the goals that we got were, you know, were a little bit sort of snidey, weren't they, really? Havertz's... Spursy. Def- uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> a little bit, you know, Havertz's deflected goal that he went around to broke his finger. And then, um, you know, the comical own goal. But, you know, <sighs> Lukaku had a great opportunity to head us head us another goal. And uh, Havertz had a shot that was pretty weak. I mean, there was three or four opportunities to, you know, to really kill that game. Yeah, And with... Two goals, listen, we would have taken it, give us a two-goal advantage at the end of it to take to White Hart Lane in a week's time. But, yeah, I think you come out of that thinking, that's not as good as it could have been. 
No, exactly. And um, it's frustrating. And I think what we'll do is look forward to the, to the game as well as to whether we think we've got enough out of this game to go there and win the tie. Um, uh, hopefully we will have. I love the way Antonio was quite down about his team, but I also worry that that's him starting to try and play mind games if to go, we're just not good. These are the champions of Europe. Of course we're not going to have a chance. Trying to take the pressure off his side, isn't he, Rick? <laughs> yeah, that did make me laugh. I think Chelsea fans were sharing that more than Tottenham fans. That um, we're just there on a completely different level. We can't we can't compete with them. Um, I no, I don't think that. I think that was a message to his board. I think that was him saying, "This is January. Where's where are the signings? You promised me." <laughs> is this signings. Antonio Conte going year yeah. three in year one? He's going <laughs> exactly. for his next. He's going I, uh, for his next twenty six million. <laughs> I keep saying to Tottenham mates. You know, we had year one Conte, he was brilliant. You've gone straight to year two Conte. <laughs> and they went to they <clears throat> and they also went to straight through to year three Mourinho. <laughs> so, you know. And they didn't even get to year one with Villas Boas. Can't so, help himself, can he, Conte? Cannot help himself. He you can't. Know what I mean? And uh, He hates yeah. being such a second best. Well he's an alpha male. This is yeah. what you know, these are this is what make great coaches. Alpha males, they won't stand for anything. They'll kill anything else that's, that could, that they think is uh, holding them back. All right, here's another question from that night and, for, and from, from the last few weeks, really. Are we finally seeing the reasons why Saul may still have a chance of a career at Chelsea? You know, I picked him up at the start of the season and then was mortified to see what had happened. But he seems to be settling in. Okay, the games are perhaps not the highest level Premier League games at the moment. But are we starting to see signs that he is showing the ability to cope with football in this country, Rick? Yeah, I I think we are. But with the provisos that you laid out, that uh, the opposition, I think, as I said, he was part of a a system against Tottenham that outnumbered their defence. So we always had a spare man. And that made it that made his job easier. I think, uh, though having, having said that, I was talking to my son Ollie, and we were saying this is more of the kind of soul that you, we thought we were going to get. Someone who is able to keep uh, keep like that one of those pressure cooker midfielders who stops the ball coming out and keeps recycling it, so that it really builds up pressure on, on opposition teams in the final third. And also some of these slick in anticipation, so he just nicks the ball off off toes, decent turn of pace, and intelligence, game intelligence. Um, but you wouldn't, I, I mean, I don't think we're at the stage where you'd start him at the Etihad if you had other No, for sure. He's, he's become, though, potentially a great squad player. I.e., he can come on yeah, do a good job. Squad but, player, I think. Yeah, yeah, or a good squad player. Andy, do you think sometimes these days players come from different environments and they just aren't given enough time to settle? And is that a fault of the system, the game, the modern times that everything has to happen now? There's an element of that, surely. And and I think player, if you do come from a league like La Liga, or Syria. Eredivisie, you know, you're not playing the standard of football that the Premier League is. Simple as that. You're not playing at the pace that the Premier League is being played at. It does take time to adjust. And I think it is shocking for some players. Uh, and Sal was a great example of a player that just looked shocked 
by the um, the the the, um, the pace of the game in the in the Premier League. So uh, yeah, and you only have to look at players like Kovacic to show the wisdom of giving players time, because first season Kovacic I think showed flashes. But alongside Jorginho, a lot of eyebrows were raised about those two players and about whether we should continue with them and whether they were long term a long-term fit for Chelsea. But I think both of those players have gone on, having been given the time and given the games to go on and prove that they're more than capable of operating within the Premier League at, at the elite level. Um, you know, And you can go all the way back to players like Drogba. First season Drogba wasn't amazing. Um, Essien, you know, there are players, you know, who are writ large in our history, who when they first came to the club, didn't perform brilliantly well from the start, but given a little bit of time, went on to become legends. So yeah, in answer to your question, of course, we should give players time. Um, But also, in answer to your question, these are the times we live in. People want instant gratification. You know, there are there is a huge amount of stake, particularly if you're challenging for the title. You can't afford to lose games. Yeah. You can't afford to put someone in and lose games. So you are no judged passengers. on your performances. It is, you know, it's difficult. So, okay. What were you going to we... say, Rick? No passengers. No passengers. No, you can't. You can't do it. So, you know, this is this is why, you know, the idea of you just got to get the youth in there and you just got to give them time. And, you know, you can't give the youth 10 games. You know, you've got to come in. If you're ready, you're ready. You know, okay. uh, if not, drop back, get some more experience and then come back in again. We can't give you five or 10 games to kind of get up to the speed. And no, I think exactly. that's the problem with, with Sal. Yes, we are starting to see it, but Rick's absolutely right. If he played at the Etihad, he'd get absolutely slaughtered in that midfield. Possibly, um, I think but he's you a, would have more hope now. Yeah, he's got a, he's, 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 a, he's an intelligent player. He's graceful. I think he's got, you know, really good, really good uh, football brain. I think he's he's got talents that we haven't quite seen yet. He's very good in the air. You know, we haven't seen a lot of yeah. that. Um, you know, and 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 maybe you're going yeah, to. He's point. happy to be a squad player. I'd be happy to have him. Okay, so quick question for both of you: Is Saul going to make it at Chelsea? First, Rick, yes or no? Sorry, I don't understand the terms of the question. What do you mean, make it? Well, you mean will, you, will he earn a to... permanent contract? Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. I, you can't say yet. Andy, I guess I hope, you're I hope he does, because that means he'll have a great second half of the season. Yeah. That's that's where we are, isn't it, Andy? We need yeah, a great look, second half. Thirty million, I think, is the is the the amount of money being quoted for. Could you could you upgrade for thirty million, or could you bring someone like Conor Gallagher back or Billy Gilmore back and put them put them in that position? I think I'd rather do the latter. I think if you, but my view is that Saul will be bought as long as he's happy to be a squad player, as long as he has a good second half of the season. But I think Conor Gallagher comes back to Chelsea. In the form that he's been in for Palace, he will be higher up the pecking order, without a doubt. I'd, I'd so, save the thirty million that you were going to spend on Saul. Add it to the whatever it is, fifty million that you'd have to, you know, you'd have to stump up eighty million to buy Declan Rice. Frankly, okay, all right, <laughs> that's what I'd well, do. I do. What would Ballard, you do, Rick? Would you do that? No, I, I, was, oh, I was just about <laughs> to say what I'd like about having a lefty in midfield is the balance that it adds, and I do yeah, think yeah. that was that was a facet of the Tottenham. Performance that five was it five left 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 footed players in that game? Yeah, <laughs> something like ludicrous. That. Yeah, that was probably just slightly over the top, but yeah, uh, I do think that having someone who's naturally left footed on that side does aid uh, quite a lot of the fluency 
that we that we love to see our our players so those interplay the triangles and and all of that kind of stuff. I think we yeah. need a case to put Kai Havertz there. Well, it's it's all possible. All right. Well, look, let, let's move on quickly to to the. We don't need too much of talking about it, but the, the Chesterfield game. Was there any major highlight for you? I mean, for me, the highlight was Lewis Hall. I, I just his <laughs> first the first touch he played. You just thought, okay, you're going to be all right because he just passed it crisply back inside, and you thought, yeah, he's got that confidence. That was my highlight from the whole thing. Was there anything that you found particularly memorable about the game? We did what we had to do. I actually, the other highlight was probably when they scored their goal. And we applauded. And we did. All all the Chelsea fans applauded, which was wonderful. I loved that. Yeah. I I really enjoyed the game. I'm not going to say that that there were particular standout moments. Uh, I like the fact that, as I said earlier, that Lukaku scored and the fans sang his name. That was putting that to bed. And um, I liked uh, Christensen. I like the fact that there were five different goal scorers. I like the fact that Christensen's second goal for the club was completely different to his first one. <laughs> I like the fact that he was the only player to celebrate his goal as well. <laughs> <laughs> a looping header when you think what that thump uh, against Malmo, that volley, completely everyone said, that was that. Christensen, blimey. That was more like you'd imagine. I mean, obviously, Lewis Hall was the was the talking point and, you know, what, what a game he had and out of position by all accounts as well. So, you know, it, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Bettinelli, him. Bettinelli, yeah. Yeah, Bettinelli didn't have an awful lot to do, but, you know, did it well. Look, the, the one thing I just wanted to hark back on something that Rick said a bit earlier about Malang Saar. You know, he's playing in a three on Saturday. You know, I thought he looked very comfortable against, let's face it, not, not mm. that quality opposition. But, you know, he seems to be a player that's growing. You know, he's he's taking his chances. You know, I was a little bit critical of him in early doors about his height, about his decision-making. But, you know, I genuinely think that there's a player in there. And, you know, that again, if he's happy to kind of stay and grow, take his chances when they come along, who knows what can happen with him? Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, look, let, let's move on lastly to the last talking point of this show. And don't forget to join us later in the week when we will be talking about the Manchester City game. Uh, Tottenham... In the cup, second leg. What are your predictions and your quick thoughts on this? First, going to Mr. Rick Glanville. Hmm. <laughs> well, I think it really depends on who's available. If is available, I think we'll win quite comfortably. I think they're going to give it a massive 20 minutes. They're going to try and get a goal and, you know, put to get the crowd going, the Sith Temple, as I call it, get them going and um, see where we are from there. But I, I think we're just going to be too strong for them. I think we'll control it. I think um, as long as we don't, you know, as long as we're able to select one of our strongest teams, and I also think we're we're going to score goals there because I think their defence is awful. And yeah. uh, so I, I think 2-1 to the Chelsea. Okay, uh, Andy. Yeah, I can't really disagree with anything that that Rick said. I think they can't do anything but come out and play football. They have to do that, and I think we'll pick them off. I think that it'll be ball over the top, ball through the channels. Uh, if we can take our chances better than we took them last week, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. then I think it, it should be it should be fairly straightforward. If they get a goal early doors, it's going to be squeaky bum time. Um, but I genuinely think the fact that they're going to have to really, really push us. 
and they're not that good at the back. I, I think that that expression "pick them off" is is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to be just caught on the break time and time again. You know, they can't they can't sit back and absorb it and wait for a wait for a corner. They're going to have to go for it. And you know, yes, Harry Kane's a great player, and and Song's a great player. Beyond that, who've they got? Song's you know? out. Yeah, so Song's out. out. Oh, of course he is. Yeah. So so really, who've they got? You know, it's Harry uh, Kane. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Kane. You know, and who's going to get him the ball? That's that's the thing. He was invisible, wasn't he, on uh, on Wednesday? So, I think you know if we can put the right team out. Rick makes the point about N'Golo Kante. If he plays, he'll just absolutely control it. Um, it should be a fairly fairly straightforward win. I, I reckon another two 0 Okay, um, my thought is I was going to mention the Son thing, but also if you see Harry Kane drop deeper and deeper to get the ball, <laughs> you know they're in trouble. <laughs> so you know. Okay, well I'm going to go for. A 1-0 win and Saul to get the winner. There you go. <laughs> right, well, that's it. We are just about out of time. Um, thank you, everyone, for, for joining us. Thank you, Andy, as always. Thank you, Rick. Join us later in the week when we will be chatting about City. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.